That's on a trail at about 9,000 feet of elevation looking, um, looking over in Glacier National Park. Just the grandness of it all. My wife can attest, I, you probably could not wipe the smile off my face. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And then here's another, another picture. We are literally in the clouds looking down from the mountain peaks, uh, again, out in Montana. And to the right, I don't, <clears throat> this is the edge of the mountain range. To the right is the plains where uh, you have, like, Kansas and, uh, you know, all those kinds of just wide, long plains is to the right of that lake, and to the left starts the mountain range that becomes the Rockies. It's just a definitive line, and to see both there was just amazing. Now, I want you to imagine... You stand there, you're enjoying these things, you're feeling these things, and there's a, oh, there's a gratitude toward God for creating this. Now imagine, at this moment, you don't know that there's a God. How do you describe that experience? Because it's not just Christians that have that experience. So how do you explain an experience that when you're in this place in creation that you feel a sense of peace, that your mind is clearer, that you have a little bit of hope, that the chaos of the world has kind of subsided for a little bit, that you feel this sense of, I want to take a deep breath and just sit here for a while. Because for us, we understand that all of those sensations and those feelings are the characteristics of God. God is a bringer of peace. God is a, it brings, and brings clarity to our mind. God brings us hope. God renews our, our strength. But if you don't know there's a God, how do you explain those experiences? You can't. The only thing you know is I want more of this. And that's the environment, and those are the people that God has put on my heart. Because when I hike and I walk, people describe their experiences in outdoor places, whether it's, again, on a mountaintop, whether it's by a stream, whether it's in a f- wherever it is, they just feel this sense of, man, this is re- renewing. This is restoring me. In my, in my, my role, I started um, a ministry called Hiker Church. And the goal is this. It, it's to help people make the connection that an invisible God is making himself aware to them through creation. An invisible God is making himself aware to them and to us through his creation. And you say, well, it sounds a little green, Pastor Steve. It sounds a little, you know, uh, kinds of things. But I want, to, I want you to understand that, that when we talk about um, God in creation, there is more scripture about God revealing himself to creation. If you'll read it through that lens, you'll be shocked do you know a third of the first three uh, books, uh, the first three uh, chapters in the Bible, it's nothing, it's almost all just creation. But let me show you two. Psalm chapter 19, verses one through four. Heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from among them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent 
for the son. Just the psalmist said, hey, God is speaking through his creation. It pours forth speech with no words. I had somebody point out to me recently that across the world there's thousands of languages, right, that we can't understand. But the, the one language that everybody understands is the language creation speaks. Second verse is this, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And it's just this, hey, God, God has given us everything we need to be aware that there's a God. Now, he hasn't given us everything we need to understand our relationship with him and how that relationship get bridged and our condition and all of those kinds of things. That's what scripture's for. But creation alerts us to the fact that there is a God. So what does Hiker Church do? Hiker Church encourages exploring, discovering, and engaging the three ways God has revealed himself to us. And what are those three ways? Creation, Scripture, and Jesus Christ. How, do I, how are we going to do that? We're gonna, we have it through a website that's a resource. It will be live by next weekend. And it's just a place that people can go and, and find tools and helps and articles and videos and kinds of things to help them explore those three things, to help them make discoveries in those three areas, and then to help them engage those three areas. How do I engage with now with what I've discovered? And you say, wow, isn't that a little dangerous to explore? Guess what? I, I hope you never stop exploring life. Something happens to us as adults. Where as kids, we love exploring. We're, we got to get into this. we got to learn this. we got to do this. We uncover this. I remember my boys like spending outside, like turning over rocks to ants. And they're just exploring life. And somehow, somewhere as an adult, all of a sudden we think, oh, exploring is bad. And we just, no, explore. I'm not afraid if people are exploring creation and Jesus with that mindset. He'll reveal himself. So ex- it's the tools to help do those things. And so we're going to do that through a website, uh, hikerchurch.com, through social media. Right now it's live on Instagram and Facebook. And then face-to-face engagements. So things like hiking trips, where we just hike with hikers. Things, things like... Um, uh, I'm going to use some terminology. If you're not in the hiking world, you won't understand it, but um, we're going to do trail magic. Okay, what is trail magic? That's the word hikers have for people who, who support hikers and they don't know about it. They basically love on hikers. So you sit by the side of the road, a hiker comes out of the woods from the trail to cross road, and you're there with an ice-cold Coke. And you're like, hey, here's a chair. Have a, have a rest. You got any trash? And you just, I mean... We're prepared to sit by the roadside with burgers. Chris knows. You've been hiking, haven't you, Chris? That slipped out. When a hiker's been hiking for 1,500 miles, they have something called hiker hunger. It means they're expelling more calories every day than they can actually eat. And so they have a deficit. The average hiker loses 65 pounds on the Appalachian Trail because they can't eat enough to keep up with the physical demand. So they're, they're ravenous. 
And so when you come out of the woods, you're like, hey, you want a burger? It's like, like I, I, you just can't explain the, the sensation of a burger in the middle of the woods. So, and that's the opportunity for us to sit down, to hear their stories, to build relationships, to love on them so that they experience the love of Christ. Why is a random person setting up in the middle of the woods with all this stuff in gear so they can feed me? It just it opens the door for conversation. And then we're going to build relationships, and then eventually um, we'll support uh, all of them and uh, what they're doing through podcasts that they can listen to while they walk. So that's, in a nutshell, um, what, what I'm working on and building a team and people to help and doing. And So what that's going to look like is during, during the... <laughs> Chris is like, sign me up. Um, uh, Chris hikes too. That's how he tells his excitement. Um, during the hiking season, which is late spring through the summer, early fall, uh, there may be Sundays you don't see me here. It doesn't mean I'm, I've left. It just means I'm doing hiking ministry. We're going to have a preaching team who's, we, we are already having the schedule of rotation for preaching through the fall, the topics we're talking about, who's ministering. Um, like I said, Sean will be taking care of stuff in-house. I'll still be accessible. Guess what? Technology is making this possible. Amen. Because I can, I can, any of the leaders or Sean or anybody can, I'm going to email, a phone call, a text away even though I might be 100 miles or 200 miles, 300 miles from here. So it's, it's, um, it's exciting season for, for us and me. It's, it's making a way for our church to transition to what God has for us as well. I also believe this. The transition that God has put in our hearts is that we are not um, um, a purveyor of religious goods and services. That's not who we are as a church. We don't have a professional staff up here who's crafting a lot of ministry to attract you to come to our building, get your attention, get your money. That's not who we are. We are a group of missionaries for Jesus Christ who are called and invited to go out into the world and share the gospel. And this is a place of encouragement This is a place of resource. This is a place of worship where we get to do this together and hold each other up and inspire one another and tell each other stories. And and I feel and the leadership team feels that I'm just the first person of many that I'm leading by example. That this is an area of my own passion and where I've seen God move as I've engaged with people and um, I get to do more of this now. And hopefully through this experience, we'll be able to encourage you and empower you to do the same thing in the context and the arenas that you're passionate about. So you're going to be hearing that. That's the shift we're making as a church. So um, I'm getting a little preachy now, and I'll I'll get to my sermon here in a minute. Um, If you're looking for a church that just has the best programs for fill-in-the-blank, that's not going to be us. So, um, you know, uh, just so you're aware. We're not trying to attract you. I'm not trying to, to buy you with, with glitter and lights and smoke to come here. We're coming here because I want to see passionate 
disciples of Jesus Christ who are full of him, who are impacting the world around us. That's who we are. That's the direction we're moving. Amen? So how can you support? Um, Prayer, huge. This is within the Assemblies of God. uh, On the East Coast, it's me and one other guy. On the entire East Coast from Florida to Maine. It's really new for our net, for our, for our district. There's some guys out on the West Coast I've connected with. We connect once a month on a Zoom to encourage one another because whenever you're doing something really new, people don't understand it. Lots of questions. There's no, no model to follow. We're creating the model for, our, for the Assemblies of God. So it's all very new. So we need lots of prayer. Um, obviously, financial support. I am not up here today because I, I'm trying to get you to financially support the church here is, is extremely supportive. Individually, if you want to, you can do through our um, district's website, snemon.com. In the give category, there's Hiker Church is one of the options if you felt like giving. And then lastly, you could go on a trip with me. We don't even have, if you're like, I'm not a hiker, it's all right. Let's sit by the side of the road and feed and love on some hikers. I'll show you how. If you want to hike, we can do that too. But let's, um, you know, jump on board. Uh, love, to, lo- love to do that and take you uh, on a trip. So thanks for giving me the time to, to share this. Anybody have any questions? You're just dying to ask. Like, I've rehearsed this in my mind for a year. So, so trying to do my best to explain it. Feel free to ask me afterwards, um, after church today, throughout the week, um, months to come. Text me, ask me. I'll be happy to share uh, what God is doing. Amen? All right. Well, let's get to... We're starting a new series today. And that series is the Parables of Jesus. And so, with the exception of a few uh, guest ministers we have coming, um, or special events like uh, in two weeks, uh, we're going to be at the YFC Camp, Camp Linden, um, We'll have directions for you. We'll post that email or something. Uh, it's going to be awesome uh, to have church outdoors and with another church and with our youth and our teens across. The, and this is going to be a good time of fellowship and outdoors. So I hope, I hope you'll um, make the drive to Sandwich to be a part of that. But with the exception of a few dates like that for the rest, uh, at least till December, we're going to be going through these parables. So um, the hope is that it's a, it's a blessing. Today's uh, focus is somewhere between a parable and a metaphor, okay? Um, but it's okay. It's, it, it brushes against parables, so we're going to go with it today. During Jesus' famous sermon on the what? I mean, come on. Like, like, Jesus goes up on a mountainside, and his disciples come to him, and he begins to teach them, right? Another illustration of God doing ministry outdoors, which is which inspires me. Um, so on his, on his famous sermon, uh, the first couple of chapters in Matthew, right, Matthew chapter 5, he makes this statement in chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. I mean, that is, that one sentence is loaded with questions. I got a lot of questions. If that's the only sentence I heard him say, my question would be like, uh, are you talking about Everybody? Uh, what light are you talking about, right? 
how did I or how do I get this light? And if I have this light, what is expected of me? Right? There's a lot of questions from that one sentence. Well, we're going to jump in and answer some of these questions uh, and dig in and see what God is telling us this morning. So, all of the Gospels record um, a version of this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John just goes full on and describes uh, Jesus as light and uses a lot of scripture about it. Doesn't have the parable, but talks about him as light. So in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Wait a minute. Sounds like a contradiction. Matthew said, Jesus said, we're the light of the world. John says, Jesus says he's the light of the world. I'm confused. Who's the light of the world? Great question. In the second half of that verse, he says this, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ah, okay. So, whoever follows Jesus will have the light. So it's Jesus' light that somehow we get because we're following him. So it's those who follow Jesus who have this light. But what is the light he's talking about? In John chapter 1, verse 4, he said this, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So, His life is the light. So, the life that, from Genesis chapter 1, that created the world, that spoke the world, that spoke life into the world, that's the light. That literally spoke, I think it was in 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 the song service this morning. He spoke the world into existence. That life is the light. The the breath that breathed, into mankind, this carcass that he had created from the dust, and he breathed in life into it, that's the light he's referring to. So the light is the life, the very essence and life of, of God. Got it? So when, when Jesus says that we are the light of the world, he is saying that we are a manifestation of him. That his light shines out of us. So it's his light that shines through us that we manifest him and his life. I know some of this sounds like a little review for you, but bear with me. We're getting into something. How does this light get inside of me? How does this light get inside of me? Well, Luke's account of of this teaching slash parable says it really well. In Luke chapter 11, verse 33, says this, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Before we move on, before we move, we need to make a distinction here between light and lamp. Okay, so I got some examples here. This, this is a headlamp. 
When I hike at night, it goes like this. And it lights up the path so I can see where I'm going. Without the batteries, there's no light. It's just a piece of plastic. It's a lamp. Got it? This is your traditional uh, kerosene-type, old-school uh, lamp. It's, this, this is a lamp. It's just a lamp. Okay? But... Now it has a light in it. Without the light, it's just a lamp. It's distinction. The flame inside is the light. The lamp is just the holder of the light, right? So, that's important for us because the next verse, verse 34 says, your eye is the lamp of your body. Your eye is the lamp of your body. What in the world does that mean? It means that whatever you are focused on is what's filling your body, your soul, your mind, your heart. We're not talking about the physical. So whatever your eye is the lamp, is the, is the, the lens, the reflector, the access that carries the light to your body. It's the eye. And he doesn't, this is a bit of a metaphor because he's not talking about the actual eye, although it can be. It's, it's what you're focused on. And what you're focused on is what get, has access to inside your heart and soul and inside of you. Your eye is the lamp, right? So let's keep going. He says this, when your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when your eyes are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. i got to pause here because there's a translation conundrum here. Okay? And that's the word in the NIV, it says healthy. Um, the Greek word has multiple translations. And if you read different translations, if you have a King James Version or a New Living Translation, it's going to read something else. It could say healthy, it could say good, it could say clear, it could say single, it could say sound, or it could be interpreted perfect. All of those English translations are in different versions of the Bible. Well, healthy and clear and perfect or single sound like way different meanings, right? And just in the same with the word unhealthy, as it says here in the NIV, is translated in other uh, Bibles as evil, bad, not good, or diseased. So what is it? And the issue is that context plays a big role in in defining what this is, um, how it's been used historically, uh, all of these kinds of, of pieces. In the Greek... Uh, tell you the original in the, for the word healthy that's here. It means single 
simple or perfect, which is why some people get the idea of healthy, because it's perfect, it's whole, it's single, it's not multi. And, um, but that's the original Greek, simple, single, or perfect. And then in the, uh, the unhealthy one, the Greek is, the exact translation is pain-ridden. But the emphasis on it is the inevitable agonies or misery that always goes with evil. So anytime we're involved with anything evil, there's a certain amount of pain that comes alongside with that, right? And that's what this word means. So let me tell you uh, how I interpret these based on the meaning and the context it's in. That the word healthy means single, in this case, single undivided focus. And the word unhealthy means divided and affected by many cares of this world. Why do I think that? Because where the parables are located in Luke and Matthew, uh, they they record them in different um, orders. Luke has the parable between Jesus uh, um, being frustrated that people are searching for a sign and the woes to the Pharisees uh, for focusing on the wrong things. Hmm. Focusing on signs, focusing on wrong things. Hey, if you have a single focus. And then Matthew puts it between the scriptures of storing up treasure in heaven and not worrying about the future. A lot of us are focused on storing up treasure, worried about the future. So, given that, When our eyes are focused on Jesus, we are filled with light. Our eye is the lamp to the body. So if our eyes are singularly focused, our eyes are singular, if our focus is singularly on Him, then we are full of Him. When our focus is divided among many things, it chokes the life out of us. Which sounds like another parable, right? The parable of the sower, where those who had cares of many of the world weren't fruitful, it just choked the life out of them. So when Jesus says, hey, if, you're, if your eye is healthy, or if your eye is good, or if your eye is singularly focused on me, you're going to be full of me, because all of my light is going to be filling you. If it's divided, you might have some light coming in, but you're not going to be full. You're going to have a partial partial light, a little bit of light. Interesting. The parable of the sower here, uh, I, I, I put it here, oh wait, wait, I'm sorry, let me pause, I'm jumping ahead. He goes on with a warning, verse 35 and 36. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. What's the warning here he's talking about? See to it that the light isn't darkness. Seems confusing. What he's saying is see to it that what you're focused on you don't believe is light. Let me give you some examples. If you feel like your life, my life is going to be better if I have a spouse. And that's where my hope is. 
My life would get better if I could just have this awesome paying job. If I could just have this house. If my kids could just this. If my boss would just this. You believe that the life that you're looking for is through that. You think that's the light. So you're focused on that. And you believe that that is going to get you where you want to be. He's saying, whoa, look out. Because you're believing that that's where light in life is. But it's not. It's darkness. You're focusing on the darkness, believing it's light. That's the warning. And we've all done that. We've all put our hope in something other than Christ before. This burning in our heart that we're so focused on achieving and obtaining that. God said, hey, be careful that, that what you think is light is actually darkness. How full of darkness would you be? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it reminds me of the parable. Hold on, Mike. Reminds me of the parable of the sower, and here's that the verse. Jesus is explaining it. it says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And that's just that warning that when our focus is on anything other than than Christ, at least our focus for our life and for light, obviously we all have focuses. They're called responsibilities. Like I have a responsibility to my family. I have a responsibility to you guys. Like I have to focus on those things, but I'm not banking on those things for my life. They're just my responsibilities. But when my heart's desire focus is on something, it better be on the Lord fully. So let's recap this a little bit. Jesus is the light, right? And when we focus on Jesus, we become full of his light, which is life. Now what? Now what? Guess what? Let's go back to the original Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, where he said, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. You become a carrier of God's light. We all look different. You're a headlamp, a lantern, but you become a carrier of God's light. Right? So we carry God's light where it needs to be. You are a lamp inviting people to the light. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room with a group of people, but somebody turns the light on, we're all like, oh, thank goodness. Somebody found the light switch. Right? Or if you have, like, your little cell phone out with the light on, and you're, like, looking around, everyone comes to you because, hey, that person at least got, can see where they're going. You're drawing people to the light. Our focus is not on trying to be a light. Our focus is on Jesus. 
So if my focus is on Jesus, the light's just with me wherever I go. I'm not trying to be a light. I'm just carrying it. Right? Just walking around. But guess what? I'm still a light. Nothing's changed. Because my focus isn't on trying to be something. My focus is on Jesus. And then I'm automatically that. We're in a world we spend so much time and energy trying to be the best version of ourselves, like Jim said earlier. I want to be the best version of myself. I don't like me, so I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. I'm going to focus on that. Those people are tearing me down. I got to focus on them. I got to answer those rants on Facebook. I got to, like, right, all this focus because, no, stop it. Stop it all. Singularly focused. My life is in Christ. My eyes are on Him. He fills me. Because when my focus is on Him, I'm not full of anxiety. I'm not full of what the world has to offer and the cares of this world. I'm focused on Him, and He's changing me. He's filling me. And guess there's other scriptures we didn't go to today that the light drives out darkness. So when the light is fully coming into, guess what? It's a little uncomfortable. Because, hey, there's some darkness there. Don't worry. Keep focusing on Jesus. The light drives the darkness out. And the more the darkness gets driven out of you, the brighter you shine. And you're not trying to shine. It's just who you are. It becomes who you are. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? How are we going to run with perseverance? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We run the race by fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the finish line. We run the race by fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the obstacles. We run our race with the eyes fixed on Jesus. And if we do that, we win. We win. Church, can I tell you today that you are a lamp. Every single one of you is a lamp in this place. You manifest what you're focused on. Oh, it got really quiet. You manifest what you're focused on. so easy. When, when you look at somebody and what they're concerned about, what they're talking about, right, all of a sudden you start realizing, wow, this person's really worried about their finances. Or this person's, you know, got some relational problems with family or friends or whatever. Or, and it's not that it's not okay to talk about those things. But all of us manif- are a manifestation of what's inside of us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that, I don't say that to um, condemn you. I say it to, for you to evaluate. Because when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, singularly and undivided, and that's the source of my light, and I'm going to walk towards the light, I'm going to allow the light to penetrate me and change me, 
It drives darkness out. And, and just the, the, the mere fact that that's our focus, people see that and we manifest that by focusing on him. And then our only role is to place ourselves in dark places as we focus on the light. I'll show you some pictures. So when I was in Arizona, um, that was a cave, an underground cave. And it was from when there was a volcano. Scientists can argue over the volcano, how long old it is. Uh, it was a lava tube. So when the molten lava was going through there, it melted the rock, and it was this perfect, look like a subway, this perfect dome cut in the rock. It was pitch black. I, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't see anything at all. But thank goodness for the light. Thank goodness I had a light. Didn't matter that I was in a dark place. I could find out where I'm going. I wasn't afraid of the darkness. Darkness can't overtake me. I got a light. How many of you have raised kids or you yourself are scared of the dark? You put a little nightlight in, right? See, I put a light on in the bathroom. You don't have to be scared. I, mean, I think every kid grows up at some point in their life afraid of the dark. I was afraid of like, the little monsters under my bed that were going to get me. If my feet overhung. I mean, all these imaginations of children, right? But when we are focused on the light, we become full of light, we carry the light with us, and it doesn't matter how dark the places we go, we change it by our mere presence. Because the presence of God is in us. It's not anything of your skill or your ability or, or any of that. It's solely focusing on Jesus Christ. I have traveled the world for missions, and I don't say that to brag. I say that because I have been in places where people had no education, lived in straw huts, walked around barefoot, and manifested the presence of Jesus so strongly in their life that I wanted to be like them. They had no education. They had no uh, skills that we would think valuable. They don't even know how to drive a car. They They don't even know how to use one of these things. They've never even seen one of these things. Yet they are manifesting the light of Christ in their life to the degree that I felt inadequate. It goes to tell you, the presence of Christ in your life has nothing to do with your skill, your looks, your, your, your position in life for status, race, gender, whatever it is. It has everything to do with where is your focus. Everything to do. And when you're focused on him, you, you begin to shine brightly. Not because your focus is on trying to shine brightly, because your focus is on him. And your focus isn't on your lack of this or lack of that or anything else. Or keeping up with the Joneses or being this or being that. And here's the thing we're grabbing at today. Jesus stood up and said, we are that. This is who you are. You're a lamp carrying the light of Christ. 
how brightly you shine is how much you're focused on him for, for your life. And the question, the question I have for us is where will you take this? Where will you go? You know what my master plan for hiking ministry is? Be there. Revolutionary, right? It's my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. It's my 300-year plan, too. It's to stay focused on Jesus and then be there. Because you know what? When, you start, when, you're, when you're being like Jesus, you do one of two things. Well, one thing for sure, you rock everybody's world. Some people turn to Jesus and some people hate you. There's no in-between. Because the light shines in the darkness. And some people prefer darkness. So they don't like the light. And some people love the light. That is not up to me. Being this is up to me. Where are you going to carry your lamp? Because I tell you this much. God did not make us this to be stored in the four walls of a church so nobody can see it. That's the hiding it under a bushel. He doesn't light a lamp in order to hide it inside a building. Or so you can uh, just, ah, Sunday, thank you, Jesus. Look how bright I'm shining. Oh, it's time to go home. Where will you where, where will you carry his light? And our goal here at the church is to do one is to do a couple of things. Help you focus on Jesus so that you shine brightly and encourage and empower you to whatever arena you're already in, already love and already excited about, to just let your light shine in that area whether that be in the neighborhood you live, in the place that you work, in the place that you go to school, the place that you recreate, the things that you love to do is just carry the light there. And you get the light by focusing on him. My prayer in the, uh, in the weeks, months to come is that you would you would share amazing stories how you just showed up someplace and God did stuff. Not because you're awesome, but because you're focusing on Jesus and he so filled you, people were curious. People wanted to have a conversation. Why are you so happy? How come you're not angry? How come you're not bitter? How come you're not railing against the government? How come, how come, how come? Why are you so different? You know what? I used to hate that question as a kid because I wanted to be like everybody else. Now it's my entry point to talking about Jesus. Why are you so different? You got a little time? Let me tell you my story. That's all, that's all it is for you. I'm going to close this in prayer and then I think um, Gene wanted to come back up.
Let me, Father, I thank you uh, that you sent your son, that you, you deposited within us his light, your light. But it doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't come because we just, you know, positionally we deserve the light. And it comes when our focus is on you. That you are our hope. You are what we're trusting in. You, we are singularly focused. And when we are singularly focused, the lens of our eye refracts your light inside of us and drives out darkness and fills us and makes us full of life like you. And Lord, when that happens, the people around us take notice. I pray this morning, Lord, for two things for our church. I pray this morning that we would, we would weed out the distractions in this life and we would focus on you for our hope and for our life. That you may fill us with your light. And secondly, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us in this place of where we can carry your light. And Lord, may we not fear walking outside this door for darkness has nothing to do with light. Light always overcomes darkness. So if we carry your light, we have nothing to fear. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Fill us, Lord, with all of you as we fix our eyes on Jesus. bless you and praise you in your holy name. Amen. 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 Church, just before we um, dismiss, I talked to Pastor Steve about this earlier. I'd like to ask Jim to come, but you know, today we've been challenged, right? In an awesome way. What are we focusing on? And where will we carry his light? So thank you, Pastor Steve. You know, at the same time, it really is a turning point day in some ways where we have a minister of God who's been called to a new place. He's still here, but God has put on his heart this new people group, this, these hikers seeking God. They don't even know it. And what we would like to do today is commission him in some ways with a send-off, a prayerful send-off, and lay hands on him. And what I'd like to do is to just ask you if the message resonated with you today, and if this new direction resonates with you today, and maybe it doesn't fully resonate, but you can see, feel, hear God in this, and you're willing to trust him, would you join us? And we'll lay hands on Pastor Steve, and I'm going to hand the mic to Jim, and he's going to say a word or two, and then we'll, we'll pray. So please, come. Uh, pray. Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, please come.
We feel you online as well. Thank you for your love for Pastor Stephen for this church. Lord, I just bow. We bow before you today, God. We are grateful for what you are doing in Pastor Steve's life and in the lives of the people who attend here at Faith. God, we sense you are doing a new thing. And Lord, we are willing to trust you in it. We don't have the answers, but you do. So God, as Pastor Steve has preached so faithfully today, help us be the lights of the world that you have asked us to be. Help us to focus with a single set of eyes on you and let your light shine through us wherever we're at, God, in whatever place, community that you've put us in. And Lord, today we want to just pray for Pastor Steve that you would, God, bless and be with him in a new and powerful way. That you would, God, begin to make a way, Lord, on those mountains. Prepare hearts of the people that he is going to meet. Lord, just provide in every single way for the journey that lies ahead. There may be difficulties, but you have overcome them, God. Lord, in everything that comes, let Pastor Steve keep his eyes on you. Just as he preached today, we just ask you to help us encourage him along this path, this new path journey. At the same time, we pray for the church, for faith, for Pastor Sean in his new set of responsibilities, Lord, that you would, God, bless and be with him and bring, Lord God, every provision to his ministry and his life and the life of his family. And God, we're just trusting you, Lord. We are just trusting you here at Faith Assembly. At Faith Assembly. God, just help us to be faithful in that because we depend exclusively and entirely on you. Thank you, God, for the privilege of being part of your journey. And bless Pastor Steve, Lori, the family, as they embark on this new journey. And we give all of this to you in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, church. Amen. Amen. Have a great, great week ahead. Happy May.